I'm Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We are on the 11th lesson of the fourth quarter in the book, yes. uh, the topic of education. And this time we have a good topic here, the Christian and work. That four letter word, work. And uh, yes. how does the Christian life relate to manual labor and menial tasks sometimes and, and uh, you know, everyday stuff? Like right. it's pretty practical stuff here, Pastor Howard. Well, and even the, the, the education, educating young people and the yes. principles of... That's right. We got to remember that everything we're talking about this time and, and every le- every week's lesson is in the context of education. I really shouldn't have said, yeah, you know, because we, we talk about in context of young people and we think of schools and what have you, but none of us is beyond being educated. <laughs> yeah. So Education isn't just for kids. It's for everybody, right. right? But particularly, uh, we're going to see how that... Uh, it was definitely an emphasis in the educating of young people in, yes. in ancient Israelite time and Bible times with Christ and his own example and what we can draw from that this week. So we've got a lot of good stuff to dive into in just a minute here. We're going to look at the 30,000 foot view in just a second. But before we even do that, can you start yes. us off with a word of prayer? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your many blessings to us, one of which, Lord, a blessing that we often overlook is the blessing of being able to work and the lessons involved in it. And we pray that as we study this t- subject uh, for this week, Uh, You would bless our study and help us to be better able to communicate it to others. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so what are we looking at this week uh, from an overview perspective before we dive into the details? Well, as we talked about the the idea of work in the life of the Christian and the importance of educating, which we're going to do a little bit, bit of in this lesson and we will in our Sabbath school classes, educating in understanding better the role of work. Okay. Um, it was a part of God's original plan, which we're going to see in a minute. Mm-hmm. But on Sabbath afternoon's lesson, it brings out in the second paragraph, um, a couple sentences in, it says, Among the Jews, every child was taught a trade. In fact, it was said that a father who didn't teach his son a trade would, ra- would raise a criminal. Mm. Meanwhile, Jesus, the Son of God, spent many years doing his father's will in honest labor as a skilled craftsman perhaps providing people of Nazareth with needed furniture and agricultural implements. This, too, was all part of the training to prepare him for the ministry ahead. Of course, Mm -hmm. Jesus is our example. You see that importance of training young people, and that was a principle God taught his people of old. So with that premise, we've drawn three talking points out of our lesson this week. The first is that work is part of God's perfect plan, and we've drawn that from Sunday, Monday, and Wednesday's lessons. Okay. Talking point number two is that God expects excellence in our work. Mm. And we've drawn that from Tuesday's lesson. And finally, talking point number three is faithful stewardship includes work. Mm. So those are our three talking points for the week's lesson. All right. Well, let's just get right into it then. Let's talk about that that one that took up most of the days of the week, uh, at least the majority of them. Work is part of God's perfect plan. So... The implication here is that work was not a punishment from God. It's actually something that he gave us as part of his ideal. Uh, Sabbath afternoon, paragraph one, the whole week's lesson opened up with that idea. It says, work is God's idea. In the ideal world before sin, God gave Adam and Eve the task of caring for the garden. And that's, of course, an important point to bring up anytime you're studying with people at all, especially, I, I yes. remember young people in the academy, that we often turn to Genesis 3, talking about work, and, the, and we're going to get yes. there. But before that, there was that Genesis 2 work, right? There was exactly. without sin in the picture at all. Like their creator, in whose image they were made, they were to be employed in creative labor and loving service. That is, even in an unfallen world, a world without sin and death and suffering, 
humanity was to be at work. So work is itself a, is not punitive, it's no, a blessing from God. This is a huge, uh, important point to make in the life of the Christian because in our society today, retirement is the goal. Mm, you know, in other yeah. words, work, getting out of work, work is that thing that one day To be avoided past, at all costs, yeah. And um, not that I've known a lot of retirees who like to work, but you know, one of the arguments is I get to do the work I want to do versus sure. some of the work I have to do. But the work I have to do, was intended as a blessing from the Lord. Of course, mm. you're you're, t you're reading where we see in Genesis that this is before sin. Right. But then after sin, you you see yes uh, a change that takes place in Genesis three and verse nineteen, and perhaps uh, you'll read that. Sure. It says here, in the sweat of your face. Of course, this is the Lord talking to Adam after the fall. Yes. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Now the, imp the implication there is that work, although given prior to sin, would become more... Um, painful. For lack of a better yeah. expression, more exhausting, more yeah. painful, uh, more in some cases more of a drudgery sometimes. Mm -hmm. But that too was given by the Lord. Yes, but was it given to like... See, now I'm just going to make you hurt to pay for your transgression. Or was there a redemptive element in it? Yes, you know, is it punitive? Well, and I believe Ms. White draws that out pretty clearly. Yeah, I now think. we put it in the outline, but it's also in Friday's lesson. There's okay. a quote in Friday's lesson from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 60. It says, The life of toil and care, which was henceforth, that is from this time forward, from the fall, to be man's lot, was appointed in love. It was a discipline rendered needful by his sin to mm. place a check upon the indulgence of appetite and passion to develop habits of self-control. It was a part of God's great plan for man's recovery from the ruin and degradation of sin. Now that... Ooh, it's integral to, our, to redemption itself. Yes. That's big. That adds value to work. It sure does. And it, and it also should even add a little encouragement when I'm sweating, <laughs> working by the sweat There's of my brow. There's something bigger here. I'm building character, yeah. <laughs> that the Lord had, exactly, had a greater purpose in, that, in work even after the fall. Right. So clearly there's a purpose for work before the fall, right. but even after, the, it's not like it was a punitive measure invented after the fall, but it was actually given extra benefit. So it, was, it still had the benefits of the pre-fall experience of working, but now it had that development of character that's essential for our restoration. So that's pretty, pretty pivotal stuff. That's right. And in Monday's lesson, paragraph two, it says the following, God has given us the work of our hands so that we can... Uh, find fulfillment and joy. Now, the, the lesson lists out, I'm not going to go through them now, but lists out a handful of texts that talk about some of the blessings that come through work. Uh, it goes on in this first paragraph to say, in psychology, self-efficacy describes the belief that every person has the ability to accomplish something meaningful in life. Self-efficacy is not increased by repeating, I think I can, I think I can, <laughs> Now, notice this last sentence, only actually doing something increases self-efficacy. So, there's a benefit in actually doing things that gains uh, proficiency. Well, you've heard, you know, practice makes perfect. And, yes. I, and I'm sure we've talked about the outliers thing and, and how the, the studies that are done show, you know, one of the, mm -hmm. one of the best determinants of success is stick-to-itiveness and grit. Yes. And just like, just doing something repeatedly makes you better at it. And there's some benefit to be gained by just 
doing it. That's right. And I've included one of my favorite statements from Ellen White in the lesson here from the book Education, page 268. She, commenting on every aspect of life, actually, she's in the context she's talking about ministry, and she says, skill is gained in the work itself. It is by training in the common duties of life and in ministry to the needy and the suffering that efficiency is assured. Without this, the best-meant efforts are often useless and even harmful. Mm. And then she says, it is in the water, not on the land, that men learn to swim. And so the principle there is that (laughs) it is fantastic that it's by doing that you gain skill, proficiency. Right. And so God intended that in work. Yeah, so even before sin and then especially after sin, there's this double blessing that comes from the personal benefit, but also the proficiency and efficiency that comes from just performing those tasks. So let's talk, let's transition a little bit more. Is it such a thing that as we do those, what does she call the common duties of life, right? Yes. That as we get good at those, then we graduate out of those and become more overseers than mere laborers. Okay, well, we talked about this a little bit with the whole retirement idea, but right. let's step back from retirement and talk about job promotion. Yeah, it's, it's climbing and, the and ladder. Climbing the ladder. That, that a lot of people, and unfortunately, even in the church, there's this mindset sometimes that, well, I've got beyond that, and I used to do that, and I'm never going back to that. Like, you're climbing the ladder, mm-hmm. and that's menial, and that's for... Like small jobs are for small people yes. or something, like children or the unskilled. And so I have encountered people in my ministry who have the mindset that typically in ministry, that ministry is above, like if once I'm reaching this, this spiritual plane, I don't need that. That menial stuff mm. is like, it's like the monastic mindset, right? You go into the mm. monastery and you don't work. You just live this life apart, austere mm-hmm. life yeah. apart from everybody else. And, and um, that's not a biblical concept no, at not. all. Uh, in fact, what I put in the lesson is that spirituality is not a promotion from menial labor. And we discussed this. I actually chose the word menial because menial labor speaks specifically of unskilled labor. Yeah. So even Christ as a carpenter, carpentry was skilled labor. But what about, you know, uh, sweeping the floor? Yeah, I'm guessing that Christ ch- didn't have like smaller people doing the smaller tasks. He probably was not one man. Yeah, could like do I'm it all. Beneath, yeah. that's beneath me. Exactly. Yeah. And Paul, the same thing. We talk about him as a tent maker. In fact, I have to tell the story that, that my, my very first start, I began working for a company and I've talked before about being an electrician, but mm-hmm. before I was ever an electrician, I started working for a company uh, as a helper electrician and the boss needed me for another he had a friend of his who was a builder and he was trying to spin this building company and he needed a laborer for the day so he just had me go and sweep out his house you know and I mean talking the custom home like yeah. 4,000 square foot and and anyway it was in its rough stage so wood shavings everywhere yeah. but I swept that house I swept that house I'm going to tell you and I'd been taught those good principles mm. and and that incident um my boss said yeah that in fact the owner of that company said i want this guy as my personal assistant mm. and it opened up all kinds of opportunities because of the way the I diligence in that small task yeah. so yes i mean so much can be said about that the principle that he's faithful and least is faithful you know all right. of that but yes menial labor is not a lesser thing absolutely well and you see we got the notes there in second thessalonians chapter three where the very simple principle is stated, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Yes. That, there's a, that there's a personal connection to the work that 
is very much cause and effect. This will lead to this, right? And it's That's not right. you're not ever to get to the point that you separate yourself from actual tasks. Well, and I think to myself of Christ forming man out of the dust of the ground. Mm. I mean, he just could have said, spoke it, yeah. you know, whatever he wanted to get down and work mm. with the clay. You know, there was nothing beneath him. Mm. And uh, Well, even went, in the work of redemption, of course, even bigger than that. Like he yeah, sent his own, I mean, we can get into the... He made himself nothing. He made himself a bond servant. Exactly what right. a great example for us. So spirituality is not a promotion from menial labor. Uh, again, it's part of God's perfect plan. And that menial labor, I mean, to excuse ourselves from that, from that statement we read in Patriarchs and Prophets, is to excuse ourselves from the character God wants to build in us. Yeah. So God forbid. Um, now, the, the another point that the lesson draws out, it actually Friday. Yeah, I was looking at that yeah. discussion question on Friday's lesson, number one. And this is a reference, uh, you might want to look it up yeah. in your scriptures even as we're going through it right now, but it's Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 18 through 24. Of course, Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon as he's looking back over his life and the lessons he's learned. And here he's talking about labor, the That's benefits right. and also the detriments. You know, it's kind of interesting. And the question is asked, how can Solomon consider work both a blessing and a curse in the same section of the Bible? So what, what are some lessons we can draw from Ecclesiastes from Solomon's lamentation here yes. about work. Well, I won't read the whole passage this straight through, but okay. verse 18 says, Then I hated all my labor in which I had toiled under the sun, because I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he'd be wise or a fool. So right there he's just saying, I'm going to do all this work, and then I'm going to die. And, and it's got a certain come. amount of common sense to it. It's yeah. like, why work hard? I'm just going to give it to somebody else. But then he <laughs> comes on to say in verse 24, Nothing is better for a man than he should eat and drink, and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. So he starts out like, I hated all my labor. Oh, by the way, <laughs> it's the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. So, and that's the question the lesson is asking is how could he be saying both things? And to me, it kind of leads into the passage in chapter three, which starts out Sunday's lesson. I know that there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. Well, if you go back a few verses to actually what we looked at last week, to verse 9, Ecclesiastes 3.9, it says, What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with, with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He, also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning. I know that nothing is better for them to rejoice, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so where he seems to be going here is he's asking the question again, what profit are all the labors? And then I've seen uh, that God's made everything beautiful in his time. And mm -hmm. I think to myself in this idea of character, like right now when I'm working at that menial labor, I may not see the beauty of the result of that, right. that work. I may not see the payoff for that, the reward, but I will. Mm -hmm. And then when he says he's put eternity in their hearts, God wants us to reckon that what we're doing is not just for now. Mm. It has eternal consequences. And so what I, the way I worded in the, in the outline is that putting things in their eternal perspectives can help lighten the burden of work. Mm -hmm. Like if, if, if I'm working and I'm sweat on my brow, and if I'm starting, starting to realize that this is helping to fit me for heaven, that changes the right. perspective of it. Well, and that seems to be a lot of Solomon's counsel whenever he looks at the temporal world. Like, it's like, what's the point of, of yes. good, good food and hard work and all this right. stuff if I'm just going to die in the end of it? But God has put something else in his heart, this eternity idea. There's a That's bigger right. perspective, and that really changes how we approach probably everything, including That's work. Right. 
That's right. right. And I have a little reference there to some passages in Scripture also that speak of contentment. It's the same idea. That's what mm. came to my mind. Paul talks about learning to be content in all things and mm-hmm. and uh, to be satisfied right. with. And that's whether what you're I bound think, or you're base, it's still just go forward. Because you yeah. read that Ecclesiastes three passage. I know there's nothing better for people to be happy and do good. It makes it sound like hey, there's nothing to do but serve ourselves and, and be <laughs> indulgent and whatever. That's not what he's saying. He's saying be content. That's what he's saying. Okay. Be content in the midst of your labor, and sometimes things look futile. Be content. No, God's in control. Content it is in the gift that of bigger God. Yes. context of the Lord's perspective, bigger Absolutely. than ours. All right, and one more point under our still number talking point number yes. one about God's perfect plan that involves work is that work is an opportunity to bless other people. That's that work exactly is it. not just self-serving, it's other-serving. And the, uh, the lesson brings us out on uh, Monday, yeah. paragraph four. Do you have that for us? Yeah. Okay. And, and in fact, it's... Yeah, it's right, and it's the passage is Acts 20, 34, and 35, and this is from the NIV, and it's right here printed in the lesson. The Apostle Paul says, You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, so I showed you, I'm teaching you, I'm Mm -hmm. instructing you on how this, the principles here, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself uh, said, Sorry, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Mm. And so, again, that principle you just stated, that work is an opportunity not just for our own character development, to be Mm -hmm. a blessing to others. And if there was anyone who could speak to that, it would be the Apostle Mm -hmm. Paul, who poured himself out like a drink offering for the sake of blessing others. Beautiful. So all of that we've just been covering so far is inside of that number one, work is part of God's perfect plan. There's a lot of sub-points to that main idea. Uh, in fact, that would I'd well, say and those is the, help us to see the the wisdom in, and not that we know everything about it, but mm-hmm. it helps us to understand some of the wisdom that in God giving us that work to right. do. It's like, oh, I see this. I see this. This is a blessing to us. Well, and not only for us to have it for ourselves, but in the context of our quarterly, I mean, our quarter study about education, why it would be so important to teach yes. these principles to the next generation. Well, especially in our generation, you know, work is viewed more and more, menial labor. Yes. And I don't want to say just menial, even skilled labor and some of that. Labor in general. Just any kind of like, sweat equity. I want early retirement. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Work was given by God to be a blessing, and understanding that, yes, yeah, is, is huge Key. for a Christian. Amen. All right, well, let's move on to talking point number two. Uh, God expects excellence in our work. Yes. It's a pretty straightforward point there, but it can't, it can't go without being said in a, in a quarterly, uh, I mean, a lesson about work. Yeah, and I'm looking for the passage, and I and I don't. It, it's brought up in the pat in the in the quarterly somewhere, and I don't know where in the quarterly it's brought up. I see it right there, and under Sabbath afternoon as a text listed. But Ecclesiastes nine ten says, "Whatever your hand finds to do, do it the with your might." Essential hard. Now it goes on to say it's because we don't. There's nothing in the grave where you're going, so make the most of it now. Yeah. But it also the idea of doing everything you do with your might. Don't do it halfway. You you're you're to do everything, and as we're going to go on to see. Um, the scripture says, as to the Lord, but whatever your hand finds to do, do it with excellence. The mm-hmm. lesson highlights this on Tuesday when it talks about the building of the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And perhaps you want to read there that sure. second paragraph. paragraph. Two, yeah. The attention to detail that God showed in the building of his tent, as well as later on in the instructions for the sacrificial rituals, shows a prevailing spirit of excellence, a desire to produce nothing less than a masterpiece. The materials were of the highest quality, the design was impeccable, the work had to be outstanding. The message was clear. With God, sloppy work is not accepted. 
Right. And and I mean that's that could be looked at so many different ways, from the whole plan of salvation to the creation itself to the working of the tabernacle. When the Lord does something, that's He right. does it with His might. And it's well, you take the tabernacle, the lesson brings out in the book of Exodus that God, especially two men are listed by names, Bezalel and Aholiab, yes. and they were given special skill by the Lord, not just to work, but the Bible says in there in Exodus 35, uh, verses 30 to 36 in that area, that they were also given the ability to teach others how to work. Sure. Well, what's the need for mm. the Holy Spirit to come upon them and give them special ability to work unless God expected excellence? Right. So the implication in that is God wanted them to work beyond their ability. So you know what? He gave them ability. <laughs> well, I've always thought that was interesting in the in the sanctuary process. He doesn't say, build me a sanctuary however you see fit. Just whatever you, and I'll be happy with whatever you bring. He's like, I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to give you the ability to do it. So the Lord was taking them and building them up That's for right. these higher standards. That's well, it's an encouraging thing too because that the same God can give us skill to do Amen. things that maybe previously we didn't have skill to do. Amen. And so the lesson finishes up with the thought on Tuesday in the last uh, paragraph. It says, thus, being fallen sinful humans is not a valid excuse for treating any task with anything less than utmost dedication. Mm. I love so we it. We have that example in the building of the tabernacle. Okay, so God expects us in to fact, be excellent in all that, work. Let, that next sentence, the last sentence on page sure. two Tuesday, leads into our final talking point because it says God expects us always to perform at our best, putting our talents, skills, time, and education to good use for great causes. You know, I, I can't help but chuckle, and I won't get into this rabbit hole too much, but I mean... Here we go. Yeah. But having said that... <laughs> here we go, folks. I'm, I can't control him That's here. That's right. But it, I can I only mean, warn you. God expects us always to perform at our best. You know, try your hardest. Your most, in any task of life, he expects that. Everybody's going to amen it until... Until you say, well, isn't that what God expects out of us spiritually as well? Yeah. That not by our own powers, but by the power he gives us to perform Work at our highest level, salvation. right? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, whether it's building a Whoa, tent for brother. the Lord on, or building a character for eternity. Now you're sounding legalistic. Well, I'm saying is if you took this out of... It could sound legalistic the way it's written, but clearly, just <laughs> in the same way that the that the men building the tabernacle were filled by the Spirit of God to do that work. He yeah. wants to fill us to do His work. That's exactly right. Anyway, my tirade That's is right. over. <laughs> and it's the same Spirit of God. Yes. The same inefficiency I had in physical labor and the same yes. inefficiency I have in spiritual labor is supplied by the Lord. That's right, but He can fulfill that need. So, That's right. Number three. Talking point number three is faithful stewardship. Okay, so you ruined my smooth... Oh, so I'm right so there, sorry. It, smooth it back again, up. Again, that last, that last <laughs> sentence said... God expects us always to perform at our best, putting our talents, skills, time, and education to good use for great causes. So, so the true. talents being put to you, that leads us right into that. See how well... It leads us right into what? Go ahead. Number three, talking point number three, faithful stewardship includes work. Mm. So this is put, you know, faithful stewardship of our talents. And I referenced there the parable of the minas, right? Mm -hmm. where, the, where the... Luke chapter the 19. People are given their, their minas and the... the charge to them is to do business till I come. Yes. So King James, to, to, occupy till I come. And of course right? those minas are representing our talents, our skills. Mm. Um, as I have in the outline, the parable of the minas teaches us that we are responsible and accountable for the use of any and all talents God gives us. For example, mm. money, time, health, energy, intelligence, skill, ability. All of those are God-given talents. I mean, mm. it kills me how some people even uh, I, well, models are the greatest. You know, somebody goes and they're they're a model of you know tape, somebody's taking pictures like they mm -hmm. like 
did you do something about that? <laughs> you were born that you way, it? right? Yeah. Skill as a musician, now you can practice that a little bit, right. but even then, some people have aptitudes. All of those are God-given. I'm sure models have to practice, like standing in certain poses. <laughs> I, or I'm just saying, everything but is every God-given. beneficial thing that we have is a gift from God, right? And yeah. thus, we are accountable to God for the use of it. Mm. Yeah, that's a much broader understanding of stewardship than just like tithes and offerings yeah. and finances. And right? so the lesson brings that out that we often think of the financial aspect of stewardship, but there's also the stewardship of every talent that the Lord gives us. Right. So everything that we have is to be put to the Lord's use. Right. And, uh, and, and as I referenced it before, but in both Ephesians 6, 7, and these are outlined, they're put in the outline, and Colossians 3.23, Paul tells the, specifically he tells bondservants, slaves, that even when you're working for your ma- master as a slave, you should work as to the Lord. Do all your work as you're doing mm. it to the Lord. Like ultimately, everything that we do is for the Lord or should be considered as such. Mm. And the lesson goes on to make that, in fact, there's a, a Thursday paragraph three mm-hmm. says one of the common pitfalls of life today is a tendency to compartmentalize the different aspects of living there is one's work life one's family life one's spiritual life and even one's leisure life and of course they go on to make the point that sometimes we act like well spiritual life i, cl- I clock in and i clock yeah. out but now i'm at my wa- my work i'm at my job mm-hmm. and your lesson gave an example of a of a nurse from florida hospital who because of the way she conducted herself at her job, it is one of the, uh, in fact, a family member of one of the patients took notice and ended up being a fairly wealthy person and donated a significant sum of money to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So because she wasn't just a spiritual over here and at work over here. Right. And the point is, if all of our talents are to the Lord, then spirituality should find its way into our work as well. Right. When we talked about that in witnessing and other aspects of life, that you don't just like, now I'm going out witnessing, or now I'm going to go out and have leisure time, or now I'm going to have work time, that there should be a holistic approach to the Christian life. We should be Christians all the time. Exactly. We should be Christians (laughs) all the way through, all the time, right? As to the Lord. All right. So. Not just in church. Not just in (laughs) church. So let's come into the conclusion now, because basically we've looked at these three points, that work is part of God's perfect plan. God expects excellence in our work, and finally, that faithful stewardship includes work as yes. well. Um, there was this. Now, the quarterly didn't bring this out. The, last, the Bible study guide did not bring this quote out, but you included it here, Education, page forty-four, yes. uh, which I thought was a beautiful way to tie all of this together. You want to read that for us? Absolutely. It says the consecration to God of a tithe or a tenth of all increase, whether of the orchard and harvest field, the flocks and herds, or the labor of brain and hand, or brain or hand. The devotion of a second tithe for the relief of the poor and other benevolent uses tended to keep fresh before the people the truth of God's ownership of all and of their opportunity to be channels of his blessings. It was a training, an education, adapted to kill out all narrowing selfishness and to cultivate breadth and nobility of character, a knowledge of God Fellowship with him in study and in labor, likeness to him in character, were to be the source, the means, and the aim of Israel's education. The education imparted by God to the parents and by them to be given to their children. Mm. And I couldn't think of a better way to encapsulate all that we've talked about, especially in the context of education. So this yes. is not work in a generic Christian sense, but specifically what we need to learn from work and how we need to teach those principles to our children in the next generation that they will be 
reflections of God and redeemed into his image like we've been talking about all this time. So powerful stuff. Well, we trust that this will be a great study for you and your local Sabbath school class. And as we close our talking points today, let's do so with a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of labor. Thank you for giving us work to do before and even after the fall so that we can not only enjoy the benefits of it, but be built, restored into your image of selflessness and, and, and strength of blessing for others. So Lord, help us as we do work that we may do it with our might and by your grace become more like Jesus. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.